is told of a monastery in Portugal that is uh, it's perched high on a 3,000-foot cliff, and it is only accessible by what many have described as a terrifying ride in a swaying basket up the side of the cliff. The basket is pulled by a uh, with a, a single rope, uh, several strong men pulling that, uh, and as you can imagine, uh, they they uh, it's it's a lot of work to pull someone up a three thousand foot cliff in a basket. There was an American tourist uh, who visited the site and got nervous in that basket partway up the cliff. Noticed that the rope seemed rather old and uh, maybe a little bit frayed, and asked the question to these folks as they were pulling the rope. The the uh, one of the the monks. And and uh, and this this uh, tourist said, "How often do you uh, do you change the rope?" And the monk replied, "Whenever it breaks." Do you ever feel like your life is precarious, like you're just waiting for the rope to break? As as we can continue this uh, summer sermon series on the book of Psalm, man, that's a hard to say. Anyway, uh, I, I I think you'll see uh, from the example of King David and how he describes his life that, that that we don't have to be insecure; that we can live in confidence in a secure relationship. With God, we're really just getting started in this uh, uh, the book of Psalms. It's been around for literally three thousand plus years. Uh, I think it's amazing that the literature written centuries ago uh, still has relevance for our lives today. But it, but it, it really does. The songs that are that are included in in the book of Psalms express worship and praise and joy and sorrow, uh, longing and questioning, even anger and confession. Uh, I guess we could say it's uh, it's the mixtape of our life with God. And today we're jumping into Psalm 16. Uh, the, the notes, if you're, if you, uh, flipped in your Bible, you have the little, uh, uh, italicized notes at the top. So it probably says Psalm 16 and then there's those italicized notes and it, it says that this is a mitcam of David. Uh, that term is, uh, is, is probably new to you. Um, it's also listed in several other Psalms, Psalm 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, uh, as well as Psalm 16. Uh, they say, those that, uh, that, that know the term and have looked it up and, and done the research, uh, that a mitcam, it's just another word for a song, a simple song. Uh, uh, Plain old, ordinary, simple song of David, I guess is what we could say. Uh, Psalm 16, uh, simple, ordinary song, David, uh, of David. We, we, we don't know, uh, when he might have written it, for what occasion maybe, uh, uh, from, from the content, it seems plausible that, that maybe he was older and reflecting back on, on his journey with God through the years. But, but, uh, anyway, that, that kind of helps us as we get into it. It's, all of that is, is, uh, is our introduction. Let's uh, let's look at Psalm chapter 16, 1 through 11. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations, I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have, have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. 
I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So in this simple song, uh, David underlines a a common need that, that we all have, the need for safety and security. Our lives are, are full of things that, that are there to keep us safe, right? We have locks on our, on our, uh, homes and locks on our cars. We have safety equipment that we wear, like helmets when we play certain sports or work certain jobs. There are safety glasses and safety gloves and safety vests and safety boots. And so many jobs have, have special procedures in order to provide a safe work environment. Uh, football players wear pads. Soccer players wear shin guards. Rugby play. Well, maybe not everybody is safe, right? But uh, we, we take safety seriously in our modern culture. There, there are many laws on the books uh, throughout the world uh, that ex- with the express intention of keeping people safe. Uh, traffic laws, for example, or, or laws that keep people from harming others, right? A, a lot of laws were put in place over the years because someone got hurt and Things that, or things didn't go well, and so we made a law. I, I looked up a few of them this week. In Carmel, California, women are required to have a permit to wear heels that are more than two inches high. The law was written in order to defend the city from lawsuits and other accidents that happen on their irregular pavement. And so anything more over two inches, you gotta get special permission. Um, it is illegal to hunt any game while in a moving vehicle in California except whaling. But there's another law against whaling, so you can't really do that. So so if you're you're driving down that you can't any anyway. Got to keep people safe. Uh in Singapore, it's illegal to chew gum. Why you may ask? I thought you were wondering. Uh this is uh this was put in in uh into law after vandals used chewing gum to uh gum up the works of the mass transit system and uh, cause a lot of a lot of problems. It's illegal uh, to climb trees in Ontario, Canada, believe it or not. There's a hefty fine. Uh, I guess someone fell and sued, and they just made the law. Uh, it's, it's against the law to wrestle a bear in South Africa. Does South Africa have bears? I, don't, I, I guess maybe they do. In, in Alabama, there's a law that prohibits driving while blindfolded. Got to keep them safe. Uh, in Indiana, it is illegal to, quote, drive a horse over 10 miles an hour. Uh, you, you can't drive in reverse on public roads in Arizona. In Alaska, it is illegal to wake a sleeping bear in order to take a picture. That means that these things happened at some point, and so uh, somebody got hurt, and uh, therefore uh, we've put in laws in order to keep people safe. There, there's so many things that we do, uh, things that we own, rules that we make in an effort to uh, be safe and secure. We have a safety team here at church in order to help guard against uh, dangerous crises that might occur. It, it's a basic desire, a need of our lives to be safe. 
And that's really the essence of Psalm 16. Uh, David doesn't talk about driving blindfolded or wrestling any bears, although in other places he did have to uh, fight against a couple of bears while he was uh, a shepherd. But, but throughout Psalm 16, he, he lays out a pretty clear case for finding our security in God. David uses several terms to, to refer to this concept uh, throughout the psalm. He talks about, he uses the word secure. He talks about being safe. He talks about uh, God being a refuge. And uh, he uses the word rest. Uh, all of these are things that we long for too. Security and safety, a refuge, rest. With so many people dealing with anxiety and insecurity, finding a way to rest secure might feel like a pipe dream. And yet David says here over and over and over again, he says that, that, that uh, he's been living a safe life as he takes refuge in God. So first off, David says that there is security in making the God my God. Who or what is your God? Throughout the Bible, there, there were many who worshipped other gods or, or idols, right? They, they might worship the sun or nature or a, a, a statue or an idol depicting any number of man-made gods. And although we may not bow to the sun or the moon or, or, or burn incense to statues these days, we still, as it says in verse 4, we still at times run after other gods. Many things might qualify as other gods today. Uh, probably not an exhaustive list, but but I think we can can uh, uh, get a handle on it. Uh, sometimes our gods might include what we have, right? Our, our money and our possessions. We want more and more, and so uh, what we have can be a, a god or an idol to us. What we create, uh, sometimes our work or our hobbies are uh, are are. Uh, uh, Another God, we find fulfillment in what we produce, what we create, uh, what we like, pleasure, uh, entertainment, uh, a lifestyle of leisure, passions and cravings. These things can be gods to us. We pursue those things. We run after other gods. Who we please could be uh, could be a God, uh, uh, seeking after praise and popularity. We want to be loved. We want to feel important, and that becomes all-consuming, and that becomes our God. All, all of that, I think, could uh, could uh, be covered by the heading of selfishness, I guess. I'm living for myself. If your possessions, your work, your pleasure, or your popularity are more important to you than pleasing God, then that for you is an idol. It's running after other gods. Many of these things in, the, in and of themselves are, are not inherently evil, but but what makes them sinful is the time and attention that we give them, right? In, in this whole concept of, of idols, again, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to, uh, to, to recognize that because our culture, well, we have different kinds of idols than what they had back then. And as we've talked about, uh, first John, the book of first John has helped me. The very last verse of the, the book of first John, uh, so it's first John chapter five, verse 21, uh, has helped me to, to, to start to understand and, and get my mind around what is this that, that we're really talking about when we talk about other gods. In the NIV, the New International Version, it, it says that uh, uh, in, in 1 John 5.21, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Okay, well, that wasn't all that helpful uh, until I read it in a different translation. The New Living Translation says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. So an idol then, another God, is anything that might take God's place in your heart. 
Not necessarily the thing, right? But it's the importance of the thing that matters. Uh, David's security came primarily from the fact that, that he said to the Lord, you are my Lord. He took refuge in God alone. He wasn't trusting in anyone or anything else for his security. The Lord was his security. Uh, he, he made the God his God. And so we have to ask ourselves as we, as we begin marching through this, uh, this song, Psalm 16, is the Lord your Lord? Your allegiance to God has to come before anyone or anything else. Are we pursuing safety and security? We are. The, the, the number one thing we have to do is to make God, the God, my God. There, there's, the statistics are, are showing these days that, that, uh, uh, Americans, the, the number is going down a percentage of Americans that believe in God. Believe it or not, uh, in 2017, I believe it was around 90%. Now it's gone down over the last uh, five years, it's gone down to 81%. That still seems really high, right? 81% believe in God, a God out there somewhere. But is uh, but but the percentage is much less, more like 21% of folks who are pursuing that God in a relationship with him. Have we made the God my God? Am I connecting with him in a relationship? With him. There is security in making the God my God. There is also security in, in what God provides as we, as we work through Psalm 16. David recognized, uh, all that God provided for him and he recognized that that brought him security. He says that, that nothing else can provide what God provides. Verse two says that we, if we are apart from God, we have no good thing. God is the one who provides the good in the world, and we take refuge in him alone in order to enjoy his goodness. As he says here, running after other gods does not bring good, it only brings suffering. He goes on then in, in verses 5 and 6 to describe security in terms of, uh, well, a lot of different things, uh, the, the portion or the lot or the boundaries that God has established in our lives. I mean, the metaphors are flying fast and loose throughout here. It's it's uh, uh, some more uh, Hebrew poetry kind of uh, uh, kicking in. Uh, uh, it uses that, that term of a portion and a cup, uh, seemingly talking about a meal, right? I've got everything I need uh, uh, for, a, for a meal. God is providing our daily needs. Uh, my lot could be my station in life, right? Or, or my inheritance. That's another term mentioned at the end of verse 6. And then he talks about boundary lines, using the word, uh, using this image of property. As a, as a word picture to describe where God has placed us. And all of those metaphors help spell out David's confidence that God is providing for him exactly what he needs, when and where he needs it. Some scholars uh, believe that David might be referring here to, uh, to when God uh, helped his people Israel uh, uh, take back the promised land. As they, as they conquered the inhabitants of the land and they began to settle it, uh, uh, God assigned certain tribes to certain geographical areas. Now, now I grew up back in the day of Bibles with, with maps in the back. Anybody else have the, uh, the little maps? Some of them might have looked like this. There is a map 
probably one of the maps that you have in the back of your Bible. Uh, now you just go on the Google and you can find any map you want, right? But uh, back in the day, we didn't have these color things except in the back of our Bible. And uh, and so this is a, a map that may have may have appeared in the back of your Bible of all of the different tribes of Israel and where they were uh, given their their land. So they settled in the land of Israel. They uh, they they uh, got their their uh, their different property, their different allotments. Now, if you look at that that map, either up there or in the back of your Bible, you'll notice that there is no allotment for the tribe of Levi. I'm sure you caught on, caught on to that right away, right? The Levites were the priests, and they didn't receive any land. Seems, uh, well, so, uh, Numbers 18, several verses in uh, in the Old Testament uh, tell us why. Numbers 18.20 spells it out. Uh, the Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will uh, you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. So Aaron was the high priest. Uh, he was uh, the, the leader of the priests. And uh, God said, I am your inheritance. I am your allotment. Your boundaries are found in me, not in real estate. And so here in Psalm 16, David is coming to understand that the physical land was nearly as important as God being our share, our, our portion, our inheritance. Anyone who has committed their lives to the Lord submits to his provision. And no matter what that looks like physically, where you live or, or the boundary lines where, uh, that have been established, the boundary lines in God always fall in pleasant places. After uh, after graduating from college with a business degree, I had uh, already sensed the Lord leading to, uh, to for for me for us to to go to seminary and pursue a master's of divinity degree instead of pursuing a career in business. And I wrestled with God for quite some time about that, and and uh, and and uh, it, it decided this is this is what God wants. And so the Nazarene Seminary is in Kansas City, and so uh, I took a quick trip out there uh, beforehand to uh, uh, to to line up work and uh, try to find a place to live, and uh, then Rebecca and I were going to be married soon, and we were going to move out there and do all those things, and so I had made some initial contacts and, and uh, some initial plans, and, and, and now I'm, I was moving forward in faith to, uh, to, to, to take the next best step. And I remember I went out there for this this uh, this this trip to just be there for a day or two to kind of hopefully lay all this out so so I wasn't uh, trying to do it all long distance and and I I had crashed at my friend's apartment and and uh, was reading my Bible that morning before I borrowed his car what, Horizon I don't know it was you know it it, it oh man yeah anyway it was a uh, I made it it was it was good but I I put some miles on it that day anyway uh I didn't have a car and I didn't have to rent one so that was great but I remember reading uh reading uh in in the the place where I was reading that day was Psalm 16 and I remember reading verses 5 and 6 the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places and I was immediately impacted by the holy spirit that those words for were true for me right then if I'd had any doubt leading up to that, and I'd had some doubt leading up to that, it was erased from that point on. God was the one that was assigning me my portion and my cup. He was giving me security as he laid out the boundaries for our lives for that next season. 
Later that day, I had an interview and uh, got, got a, a youth pastor position. And that included a place to live. The two things on my list to take, get taken care of. Now, that's about all it included. There wasn't a whole lot more, but uh, that's a whole other, that's a story for another sermon, I think. But uh, those, those verses are still, every time I come across Psalm 16, the, all of that floods back to me as I recognize the security in knowing God providing for us. Of course, that, that doesn't mean that, that everything in our lives is going to be, quote, pleasant and delightful. Uh, uh, heaven knows there were many hiccups along the way as we followed God's leading into ministry, but, but it's pleasant because it's good and it's right. We can be secure in God's provision for us. David says that over and over again. The boundary lines fall in pleasant places as we make our home in him. There's security in that. There's security also in following following God's guidance. Verse 7 says that the Lord counsels and instructs and teaches us. Verse 11 says the Lord makes known to us the path of life. Uh, David already sang about those pleasant boundary lines. Now he's talking about following God's paths and following his wisdom that, that, that leads to a secure lot that God provides. We tend to want to, uh, to, to, to weigh, what, we tend to want God to weigh on, uh, on our decisions. I, I think we all would want, like the blessing of God. Usually we make some plans and then we show them to God and say, isn't this great? Come on, let's, uh, let's uh, rubber stamp that for me, right? But, uh, we want him to open certain doors and, and close other doors. Uh, the, the guy in the family camp movie says when God closes a door, he opens a Chick-fil-A, right? And so uh, the Bible certainly talks about God directing our paths, guiding our steps, opening doors, closing others, all of that, have planned for our lives. I wonder, though, if, uh, if we tend to take, take that more as more destination-focused than it's, than it's intended. I, I wonder if, if most of the time when God has a path in mind for us, it's less about exactly where we're going to end up as much as it's about the ways he's going to teach us and grow us as we travel the path. God, God's plans for your life might have more to do with who you are and who you are becoming and who you are influencing than where you are going. Verse 11 uh, in Psalm 16 certainly seems to be teaching that there is joy in the journey, right, as, as we follow God's counsel and instruction. I, I guess I'm saying that it's possible to end up somewhere we thought we should go, but we've missed the path of life along the way because we just were so focused on the destination and not on what we were supposed to learn as we went there. Following God's guidance, following God's counsel, his instruction on how to live and, and who to be, that gives us deep and abiding security. We're in the, we're in the center of God's will and following him every step of the way, no matter what turns the path might take. There's security in that. Because of all that, David David had an eternal hope, and that made him secure. There's, there's security in having hope in eternity. Verse 11 mentions eternal pleasures that are there to enjoy. David was singing about the wonderful truth that there is an eternity to be longed for, to, to, to look forward to, where God doesn't abandon us when we die, but he grants us pleasures in heaven forever. There's security and confidence knowing that this life is not the end. We have heaven to look forward to. 
it seems to me that there, there, there used to be more songs that, that focus on heaven than maybe we sing too much today. Uh, the older hymns of the faith, I, I, I think, majored on uh, longing for spending eternity with God. Maybe it's that we have so many great things that, that we don't necessarily long as much. I don't know if that's true, but I, I do remember songs like Higher Ground or I'll Fly Away or uh, Surely Goodness and Mercy Will Follow Me All the Days of My Life and I Will Dwell in the House of the Lord Forever. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory, right? It, even if the whole song wasn't about heaven, uh, if, if you flip through the, the hymnal, which you can't because we don't have them here. We're actually using the hymnal right here. We've got, uh, we've got a couple of them propping that up right there. So we are using the hymnal at our church. Where uh, if you're flipping through and you, you cut usually the last verse, whether it's the fourth verse or the third verse or the seventeenth verse or whatever in that in that line, usually the last verse has something to do in those old hymns has something to do with with heaven and eternity. I, just one example: Amazing Grace. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I, I, we still refer to heaven, and and and, and but I think our song uh, these days major more on our current with God, and that's okay. I'm, I'm just saying that there is security in looking ahead to what's coming. There's security in knowing that there is heaven on the horizon. And that has been a song on people's lips since the time of David and before. David, we see in Psalm 16 evidence that David found something that we all crave, safety and security. He had the hope of heaven. Uh, he, he followed God's instructions. He was satisfied with God's provision. And maybe the most important thing, he made the God his God. Years ago, Dr. S.D. Gordon told the story of a, of a Christian woman that he knew whose memory began to fade as she was growing older. She had lived a wonderful life following Christ, and she had memorized many verses, but over the years, as her mind failed, she could recite less and less of those verses. But there was one that stayed with her, her favorite verse from 2 Timothy 1.12. The second half of it goes like this, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Her, her favorite verse. But as time went on, she could remember even less and less of that verse. But she could still be heard quietly repeating to herself just the one phrase, that which I've committed unto him, that which I've committed unto him. As she came close to the end, laying in the hospital bed, waiting really to be ushered into glory, her family gathered around and they noticed her lips moving and they bent over to see if she needed something. And, and, and as they listened to her quiet whisper, they heard her repeating just one word over and over again. And they came to realize that, that really it was the most important word of her favorite verse. As they sat by her side, they heard her reciting him, him, him. She had, lo she had lost the whole Bible except for one word. And yet she had the whole Bible in that one. She made, she had made the God her God. As David tells us so eloquently in Psalm 16, you are my Lord. Apart from you, we have no good thing. 
We can have security and confidence in this life, no matter what comes, no matter what circumstances might be blowing around uh, around us in our in our uh, in our world, in our society, in our in in our culture, whatever. No matter what happens, we can have security and confidence as we have given our allegiance fully and completely to Him. You are my Lord. Apart from you, we have no good thing. It is my prayer that, that, that we can experience the, the security and the confidence that comes as we follow David's instruction to have the hope of heaven and following God's instructions and, and recognizing God's provision and making the God our God.